the Please Leave Podcast, where you'll hear truly scary stories that you cannot get out of your head. These stories may contain graphic depictions of violence or explicit language. Listener discretion is advised. In total, I saw her five times that day. I was browsing canned lentils when I first noticed her. I heard a short yelp off to my left, and in my periphery, I saw the windmilling arm of a person fighting gravity. I turned that way and saw an older lady holding a basket with a few items in one hand, the side of a cart with the other, regaining her balance. She tutted loudly, and as I watched her, she bent and picked something brightly coloured up from the floor by her feet and handed it to a tiny child sitting in the seat of the cart. She said something, but I was too far away to make out what. The child let out a delighted squeal and threw the brightly coloured thing onto the floor again, out of my sight. I suppressed a smile as I turned away. The kid looked about two, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. That is a challenging age for sure. I selected my lentils and went on with my shop. My three were older now, all in school, and I enjoyed these daytime child-free hours immensely. Oh yes, usual caveat supply. We all love our children. None of us would change them. We have absolutely no regrets. But sometimes, it is nice to go to the bathroom without an audience. Wear a skirt for several hours without sticky handprints being added to it. Drink a whole cup of something while it's still hot. And yes, shop at a leisurely pace without having to have eyes in the back of your head to monitor those sticky hands and to just look around the store idly without the pressures of a club or party or class to get to. I wandered into the clothing section and browsed. Supermarket clothes are such a weakness of mine. I know, I shouldn't. It's fast fashion. Things never fit well, never last. But the pricing tempts me anyway. Luckily, this time it's close enough to the holidays that I'm still trying to lose the evidence of all that turkey, cake and chocolate round my waist. So I resist the tunic dress, the stripy shirt, the cosy looking sweater and go instead to the children's section. I have absolutely no guilt about buying for my kids. They grow fast enough to justify fast fashion. I pick out some items from the sale. Cute dungarees for my youngest, who is nearly eight, and dresses for his sisters, who, at 10 and nearly 12, are right on the very edge of me no longer being able to buy the matching outfits. I see mutiny glimmering in the eye of the eldest every time I do it now. Then I saw her again. The older woman can't have been with her, I realise, because there's no sign of her. But that makes sense, I think. That woman had a basket. Why would you have a basket and a cart? She's a cutie, that's for sure, I think. Her dark brown eyes sparkle with mischief. 
Her rosebud mouth curls frequently into a bright open mouth smile. Her rows of sweet teeny baby teeth flashing white. Her hair had been divided neatly and braided into six or eight little braids, each one tied off with an elastic with two red plastic cherries hanging from it. Her top also had cherries, I saw, and her little red corduroy trousers matched. Patent leather boots with lights in the heels flickered as she swung her feet. So cute. She was laughing still. I was a bit closer this time, and I could see the toy was a set of multicolored plastic keys, the type you give little babies to teeth on. She twirled and threw them as I watched, though I couldn't see the adult. They were behind a rack of sail sweaters. I heard a sigh and saw an adult's hand offer them back. The little child took them, grinning, and rattled them, squealed again. I saw them one more time in the store. I was waiting to look at the discount fridge, where all the almost out-of-date produce is discounted before it goes in the bin. The cart with the little girl was at the end of the next aisle, where dairy and deli goods were. There was no adult there. I used to do that too. It's so annoying fighting down a busy aisle with a heavy cart and rambunctious toddler. I'd often park mine at the end and quickly run down to grab whatever it was. She had her back to me and was kicking her legs in and out, bouncing up and down in her seat. Her little braids were bouncing too and she was flipping the keys side to side, clattering them first on one side of the cart, then the other. She's getting bored, I thought to myself. I hope whoever is with her is nearly done. That cheer is going to tip over into temper any minute. The checkouts were pretty busy when I got to them. I'd wandered so slowly it was shading into lunchtime now and workers from the local offices were queuing with sandwiches and bottled water. Looking tired, eyes glazed. I did not miss that life. I'd been part-time and freelance since my eldest was born, and it suited me so well. Sure, we had less money, but it was worth it for the stress reduction, having one adult almost totally focused on the kids' schedules and the general running of the household brought. So many people juggle and do an amazing job, but I just know I'd drop all the balls if I tried it. I unloaded my groceries onto the belt and opened up the reusable bags to receive them after they'd been rung up. How are you today? Shirley, the checkout operator, asked. I'm good, Shell. How are you? I replied, steadily packing my bags as Shirley scanned. Oh, good, darling. Did you have a nice Christmas? It was a fairly quiet one, Shell. Just us and Bill's sister and her youngest. But we enjoyed it just the same. How about you? You usually have a good crew over, don't you? I've been coming to this store so long. I know the life stories of half the staff. Shirley has an enormous family, lost her mother last year, and has a sister-in-law with breast cancer, who she is helping take care of. Oh, you know, it was a tribe this year. Shirley leaned towards me for emphasis. My four boys and all theirs, and Janet and her kids, Plus, most of the cousins. Oh, not Jennifer. Er and Mike went to Cancun with the twins, if you can imagine. 
But it was nice, you know. Did you cook for all those people, Shirl? You're a wonder. Oh, no. Shirley half laughed. Can you imagine? No, I do a spread, but we do potluck too. So everyone pitches in. And Mama always insisted on real tableware, which is a lot of dishes. So, you know, this year, with her gone for the first time, we had paper. And it was a dream. The men did the whole clear up. All us ladies did was package up the leftovers. That'll be 78.35, darling. She finished, sliding my last item, a tub of sour cream, towards me. I paid and bid Shirley goodbye and headed out to my car. On the way there, I passed the handicap spots out front. And there she was again. Right enough, that good mood had worn thin and through, and she was screaming. Her mum was a woman a little younger than me, and she was trying with little success to wrestle the toddler from the cart seat. The mum wore a heavy coat and a baker cap style hat pulled quite low on her face. I paused on my way, debating, then called out to her. Can I help? I asked her in my best polite and understanding voice. She was startled by me, actually jumped, and turned to face me, but didn't lift her head up very much. So it was only really her mouth I could see as she replied. We're fine, thanks, she replied hoarsely. Oh, come on now. I rested my cart against one of the posts that delineated car park from store entrance and went over to them. I've got three myself, I said, raising my voice over the screaming. I know just how they get. The mum said nothing, just stepped back and watched me. Come on, I said brightly to the little girl. It's time to go home now. I grabbed her under the armpits and tried to lift her. But she was clinging to the cart with such force that I found I was lifting it too. Oh dear, I said, keeping my tone light. We need these little fingers to let go. I set about prizing her hands from the cart as gently as I could. It wasn't easy. For each finger I got uncurled, another curled again. But after a moment or two I managed it and was holding both her clenched fists in my own hands. She went on screaming and tried to thrash, pulling her hands away. I turned to the mum, who was still just watching me. Grab her now and we can lift her out, I said, slightly annoyed that she had declined help she obviously needed and then completely abdicated as soon as I started giving it. She came, I could see a little reluctantly, and caught the child quite roughly under the arms. She began to lift, but then the little girl pulled up and locked her legs against the holes they were through in the cart, wedging herself in the seat again. I sighed and let go of her fists, and with some force managed to unflex her hips enough that she could be lifted out to the knees. Then I caught her pants at the back and lifted her by them too, rotating her body so her legs could be guided out without hurting them. Now the mum was holding her, thrashing and screaming at arm's length. 
She looked up at me. I could see her whole face now. Greenish, brown eyes flitted from side to side, sliding around my face, but never quite making eye contact. Her nose was a little bulbous, scattered with freckles. Her lips were pulled into a grim line. Front or back? I asked her. And when she looked at me as if she'd not understood, I added, her car seat? Back, she answered finally, still holding the girl away from her face, which the toddler was trying to swipe at. I slid the door of the little grey MPV open and there was a toddler seat. Front-faced, I noted, disapproving. Surely she's still a bit young for that. There you go, I said, and the mum carried the kid forward and put her awkwardly into the seat. Then the toddler did what all toddlers who do not wish to be seated inevitably do, a manoeuvre we always called the wet noodle. First, she went rigid as a board to get her hips over the lip of the seat, and then limp as a wet noodle, so that she slid out of it towards the footwell. Her mum just watched. Whoopsie-daisy, I cried, stepping forward and catching her. I lifted her back into the seat and tried to quickly fasten the harness. But the straps were miles too long. She wet-noodled two more times while I was tightening them and managed to kick me. A good crack under the chin, too. The whole time, her mother just stood there, in silence, watching me. Finally, I'd gotten her buckled in and the belts tight and stepped back and said to the mum, Do you have her toy? The keys? She again looked at me blankly. This girl's a half-wit, I thought. Did she lose them? I asked. Is that what set her off? She stared dumbly for a second more, then nodded, slightly. What a moron, I thought. Not even a thanks, and no apology for my kicked chin. I mean, I get it, these things happen with kids, but still, you'd think she'd apologise anyway. But, I reminded myself, she is in the handicapped space, so she must have more on her plate than I can see. Well, I'll let you get on then, I said, slamming the rear door and going back to heave my cart around. The woman stared for three or four more seconds and then turned and opened the driver's door. As I walked away, faintly, I heard her speak, presumably to the child. I wanted a happy one, not a crying one. Amen to that, I thought opening the trunk of my car and loading my grocery bags inside. I didn't see her again until 6pm that evening. We'd finished dinner and I told the kids they could go play in their rooms for a half hour and then I'd fix dessert. My eldest had thrown a long vocal fit about doing her homework and my head was splitting. I perched on the edge of the couch and turned the TV on. It was muted still, from where I'd been trying to pry my kids off their cartoons that morning. But I flipped it over to the news channel. And there she was. It was uncanny, too. The photo must have been taken today. Because she was in exactly the same outfit. 
right down to the cherries in her hair. What, I wondered, is this? I unmuted it. Outside the store, from which Michaela Rivers, aged 22 months, was abducted today. Michaela was shopping with her father today, and when her father had gone momentarily into the men's room, a kidnapper spotted the girl and saw their opportunity. CCTV captured these images. My heart gave a great heave in my chest, and my stomach balled tight as if punched into a hot stone of nausea. On the screen, I watched a grainy video of a woman in a dark coat and hat pushing the cart with the child, Michaela, in it. Away from the entrance to the restrooms, past the kiosk, past security and out of the store. My blood was draining. Down, down, out of my head, past my writhing guts, down into my feet. I swayed where I sat, grabbing the arm of the couch for support. The view shifted, and I watched as the woman in the hat and me, definitely and obviously me, wrestled the tiny struggling child out of the cart and into the car. I watched myself push the woman aside and strap the child into the seat. I watched myself slam the door closed, grab my cart and walk away. The doorbell rang, but I couldn't look away. I heard my husband leaving the kitchen going to answer it. On the TV, the woman in the hat and coat had climbed into the car and reversed out of the handicapped spot. As she sped away, the cart, still loaded to the brim of groceries, rolled gently towards the store and stopped with a bump against the post where my own cart had been just a moment earlier. The view cut again, this time to a wide shot of a stricken-looking couple sat at a table covered in microphones, flanked by police officers. Press flashes lit their faces with an irregular strobing that made my headache swell and throb. Camera closed in on the couple. The woman, young, in her mid-twenties maybe, sat silent. In her arms was a tiny newborn baby and her tears were dripping steadily onto the shawl that the baby was wrapped in. The man, also in his mid-twenties, was staring straight into the camera, his eyes also full of tears and desperation. He spoke directly to me. Please, he said, if you have Michaela, please. His grief-choked voice shook. Give her back, please. Please give our baby back. She's not even two yet. She needs her mummy and her daddy. She has a new baby brother here and he needs her. We all need her. Home. His emotions overcame him and he sob gasped, thank you, into the mic before sitting back and turning to hide his face against the woman's hair. I was going to be sick. I could taste the bile already, forcing a fiery path up my throat. An officer was speaking now, telling the camera that whoever had Michaela could drop her off at a fire station 
or any safe public place, that her being home safe was their top priority. I tried to get up, to get to a bathroom before I began to vomit, but my limbs were leaden, numb. My husband came into the room then, a look of confusion and concern on his face. He glanced at the TV, where I was being shown again, strapping Michaela into her kidnapper's car. Barb, he said, his hands gripping the edge of the door, white-knuckled. The police are here for you. Stranger and narrated by Vicky Joe Eva. Our Patreon is officially live, so for more scary stories that you cannot get out of your head, please join our Patreon at Patreon slash Please Leave Pod. Please follow Please Leave on Facebook and Instagram at Please Leave Pod. Our email is Please Leave Pod at gmail.com, and our website is Please Leave Pod.com. This has been a Two Penguins Media Production. Quack. 